This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Hans Shot First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. This week we're talking about Emily? Amelie? <laughs> Amelie. Amelie. got it second time. Amelie. Amelie. Le fableau destin de Amelie Poulin. Yeah, that's the one. God bless you. Uh, this came out in 2001, directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Jeunet. Written by Guillaume Laurent. And Jean-Pierre Jeunot, starring Audrey Tatao. Tatao, I think is his. Tatao. Matthew Kasovitz. She's got Rufus. great Tataos. And just and, Rufus. Yeah, just Rufus. I don't know what that just is. Just Rufus. Yeah, is that the guy with the time-traveling <laughs> phone booth? I don't know. Yeah. But, um... All right. So, this is a French film. Uh, Alex, you did this one, right? Yes, it did. All right, talk I about think- it. I think Scott introduced me to this movie years and years ago, yep. and I was like, mm, I don't know. It seemed kind of quirky, then I saw it, and I fell in love with it. This movie's amazing. Not only is it you know, artfully done, but you just fall in love with Amelie, the main character, and everybody else has such just really memorable performances and personalities, uh, and that's why this movie just sticks in my mind and will be one of my favorites for time immemorium. <laughs> wow yeah alright um, anything else to add Scott or let's just get into our lists uh, just kind of echo what Alex said uh, I had no idea what I was getting getting into when I went to see it into 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 did I echo <laughs> yeah you were just echoing what I said oh uh, <laughs> hey I am hammed Already, <laughs> good start. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting into, and was into, very into. pleasantly surprised. Right. And yeah, this is—I don't. It doesn't mean a whole lot when I say it's my favorite French movie, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get going. I, I honestly, yeah, I don't think another actual French French movie that I've seen really. This is, I think, this is the only one. So, one for one, France. <laughs> Does the professional count? Yes. Leon. Luc Luc Besson. Oh, Luc Besson films count. Oh, well then, I love French films. Well, no, that one's actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and myself, I just saw it for the very first time this week. Um, I'd always seen this creepy girl cover thing, and it sounded like. <laughs> I definitely judged the book by its cover and never wanted to watch it. So, there it is. Let's get going. Alex, number one. My number seven. Seven. Is I found this very entrancing, and it's something really stupid, except when you think about it, it's probably really damn hard and a pretty good skill. Well, not a, a useless, impressive skill. When Amelie's writing on a clear glass, like the meals of the day. Yes. She's yeah, writing. She's pretty much just writing backwards and very fluidly she doesn't have to think about what she's writing 
She just writes it out backwards so that the person on the other side of the glass can read it correctly. Yeah, that was not stunt writing. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a nice little touch. You sure it wasn't written ahead of time and then she just erased backwards? (laughs) (laughs) It's like parting the Red Sea. Pretty sure. (laughs) Uh, All right. Scott, number seven. Number seven is the narration. Uh, Usually I, I don't like narrations. I don't care for them. Most of the time they're lazy or just unnecessary. Uh, in this case, it, it really helps out the movie. Uh, it's narrated by by somebody who's not even a character in it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's cool in the beginning um, because when she's a little girl, she doesn't really talk all that much, so the narrator kind of carries, uh, carries out a lot of the action there. And then in spots throughout the movie, um, he jumps in to, to move the, the plot along. Um, and it's it's well executed, uh, and I really really dug the the narration. And the narration would kind of mimic what was going on. Like so, he would speed up um, his talking if like Amelie was walking along quickly, um, or he'd slow it down. And yeah, it was it was handled well. So the narration number seven. All right, that's my number seven as well. But I have narration question mark. <laughs> <laughs> At times I liked it, and times I didn't like it. So I just—it was something that I noticed in it, like parts of it. At the beginning, I didn't like it, and then I kind of started to like it, and then I think I went back and forth on it throughout the whole thing. So it's definitely a part of the show of the movie, and I I can't say good or bad about it. It was just something I noticed, and there was parts I liked, parts I didn't like. Um, And I will say right off. In the beginning, this kind of leads into my number six. Is I did watch a subtitle version this time, and that definitely helped getting the oh yeah, <laughs> yeah getting yeah. the actual actors speak it and get the cadence from them and everything like that. So um, going from Crouching Tiger to this it was a huge difference, subtitle versus dubbed. But the narration, yeah, like I said parts I like, parts I didn't. Alex, number six. My number six is it's a part when Emily is. Uh, pretty much hooks up the two loners in the cafe <laughs> and mm-hmm. their whole like little side story was hilarious and tragic and hilariously tragic and how awkward they are in the beginning they go through a full cycle of a very passionate relationship like from beginning <laughs> to end as a as a side story it's very well told and uh <laughs> yeah pretty funny yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and like the, the guy's just uh, <laughs> he's got these weird faces the whole time. Just a weird character. Mm-hmm. Paranoid. Um, yeah, they end up at one point they end up like banging in the cafe in the bathroom. <laughs> it's very weird that Emily's just staring in the bathroom like, oh, I did this. I made these two people happy. And the camera zooms in and she's like, oh shit, they're being really loud. And she goes over to the espresso machine. And turns on the steam so that the noise wouldn't be so, well, sexy. <laughs> Which is not what I would call what they were doing in there. Because that was freaking, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> they were the loud. off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, all right, Scott, number six. All right. Uh, my number six is the score for the movie, the music. Uh, it's... Mm-hmm. Like like a lot of things in this movie, it's super French. <laughs> a lot of but accordions. It, 
yeah, a lot of accordions, uh, but it, it works really well. Um, just at points, it's kind of got like that, for the most part, it's kind of got a whimsical, uh, kind of upbeat. Uh, I, I, when I hear the accordion music, I always think of like like sea shanties for some reason. So that's, that's a little what about distracting. Wet panties? Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, but at times it changes up. Um, composed by Jan Tiersen. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really stuck with me. I enjoyed it. The score is my number six. All right. Uh, my number six, Alex kind of touched upon it, or Scott did. Just the I had Weirdo in Cafe. He made me laugh whenever they looked at that guy. <laughs> he's kind of got the Daryl Sutter face. He's got that nose. And, <laughs> the bitter beer and, face. Yeah, he's got that yeah. bitter beer face thing going on and why they put up with him in that place every single day just being a creep, I don't know. Yeah, um, that is weird. But yeah, I have Weirdo in Cafe. He made me chuckle a couple times. Uh, Alex, number five. My number five is that not just the relationship between the, the old man that only paints that one Renoir painting over and over again and the uh, the kid, the disabled uh kid from the grocery store downstairs they have a really good uh connection a little bit like a grandfather to a grandson type of deal going but my favorite by far is when he's trying to when he still says like because the the kid's boss is like really mean he's a complete asshole he actually like smacks him upside the head every once in a while for you know pretty much just having one useful arm and He's still, but the kid's so sweet that he's still really polite. And he says, uh, what was, what was his, the grocer's name? I already forgot. Mr. So-and-so? Do you remember, Scott? Collignon. He says, he says, Mr. Collignon, and the old man is, like, really upset. And he basically just teaches him how to swear and let off all that frustration. And that whole scene was uh, just a delight. It's so joy- it makes me smile every time. Hey, that that kid, yeah, I know he's a little slow, but was he missing an arm? Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> right. he has he he has the sleeve like tucked into his pocket, so he kind of you know he's trying to still look yeah normal, okay. not put put people off, but yeah, he only has one arm. Okay, but they never made a big deal about it at all, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I noticed that, but I'm like, they haven't talked about it. Maybe it's just weird angles or something, but all right. Glad yeah, another, thing, another cool thing about this movie. But yeah. yeah, and they're just screaming at the top of their lungs, different swears for calling his boss's name different words, and the old man has to slow him down. He's like, that's, that's enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> Scott, number five. All right, my number five is the, the fantasy slash fourth wall breaking that happens oh. throughout the movie. Dude, uh, that's my number two. Uh, it's mixed in... Mm, I don't know if, if I would go sparingly, but just enough so that you don't quite think she's a crazy person. Uh, she just has this vivid imagination, and this is how things play out for her. Uh, but I do like the shots where it's just the fourth wall breaking, like when she's writing the, the letter. Um, mm-hmm. Or sometimes she like looks up the camera and smiles and. Uh... Yeah, a lot of the times I think that's what does it. It's like 
a lot of the times it's just her like looking straight at the camera and like giving like a little knowing smile like hey we're like you in the audience i mean amelie in the audience we're in on this whole thing we're going we're you're on this trip with me that was pretty cool huh yeah so i i don't know if that's just her being weird <laughs> that's just a device that the director's using uh, either way it works yeah uh, so and and then the fantasy stuff is fun uh like the pictures talk to her toward the end the uh um, she has the the pig lamp yeah she has the vivid uh, imaginings of like what's going to happen to the love interest and to her how she they, they move to um, I forget the, where the cheeky stand it's, yeah it's somewhere <laughs> somewhere in the Middle East uh, <laughs> yeah it, it it adds to the charm of the movie yeah, so that's my number five. Oh, and the, my favorite one being I should mention this uh, is toward the end when the the love interest Nino walks off out of the the cafe after she won't admit that it's her in the picture, um, and she melts literally melts <laughs> into oh, water. Oh yeah, that was uh, a good shot. That was that was, that was very clever uh, and it definitely worked. So yeah, my number five. <laughs> okay. Um, my number five, I kind of mentioned before, is um, I have to say it because I had such a bad experience with Crouching Tiger. Subtitles, <laughs> the only way to the only way to watch a foreign film. Mm-hmm. So you you I, I don't know for you guys, but I forget that it's not in English when you're when when you have subtitles on. You're just reading and going along, and it's like the opposite when it's dubbed. You know it's not American. Yeah. You know something's wrong. It's yeah. just. Yeah, you just start to get used to it after a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe because as I'm getting older, I, I I start tend to watch subtitles on regular like English-speaking <laughs> shows, too. <laughs> Especially, like, English-English shows. And um, and so I'm kind of getting used to reading stuff now. So, like, I, I to me, it just, yeah, I just so much better. And um, my only concern is now with digital... They kind of put subtitles like huge and kind of all over the place on the screen. Sometimes it's a little distracting. Um, yeah, people, it, directors try to get cute with it, and it's like, oh, the subtitles can be part of the character too. Like, no, they're subtitles. Yeah, I mean, like More, John Wick did that pretty. Yeah, yeah. I was like, but that's, mm. but that's usually subtitles within like if you're speaking Russian in an English movie. But usually, if it's the other way around, that's not a director's thing. That's just kind of isn't that just like localization? I mean, that's just digital formatting. Like, I don't think that's a director's thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I would mm-hmm. tend to think that it's whoever the production company was. Yeah, but like, what was it? I think on oh, the last episode of Game of Thrones. Like, usually now I watch it twice. The second time I put on subtitles just because some of these English guys. I have a hard time <laughs> with English accent. And uh, and I'll Witness. put it on and. and and HBO, it's like, it takes up half the screen almost in the HBO Go apps. It's, I don't know. But anyway, this subtitles are really great. So there it is, number five for me. Alex. Mm-hmm. My number four is the great, great use of color in pretty much the whole film. Really good contrast between light and dark and different kinds of shades and everything. Like uh, in that scene when Amelie's like cutting the letter up uh, different pieces of the letter to make a new fake letter and everything. Everything was kind of like red except for that one like really bright blue light in the background that stood out. Or when they do like a, a um, 
an awesome like x-ray shot of when her heart is beating really fast that was really good use of color too but the whole film has that in spades yeah it's, it's very a good looking film yeah very good use of color and it's not like overbearing or annoying it's you know just the right amount yeah i have a little bit more to say about this later but yeah, i agree Ooh, there you go all right scott number four uh, number four is the the whole prank campaign on the store owner. Oh damn it! That's <laughs> that's my number three. Okay, that's my number three. Uh, you know it it <laughs> kind of dragged out some right term. It gets strung out um, throughout the movie after she decides to go on her campaign to help people. Uh, but the prank campaign is is pretty good. He's just being it's it's actually really evil what she does to him. Uh, gas, yeah. It's called uh, gaslighting. Um, it's yep. basically when you just do small things to, to drive people insane. Uh, except for the electrocution part. Like, that seems a little hairy. <laughs> that might be a little unwarranted. But, uh, yeah, just... <laughs> just None of it's unwarranted. That guy's a jerk. That guy's a jerk. But, yep. Well, I'm saying murder. <laughs> it's necessarily... Uh, okay. But, yeah, the, yeah the, the Brillo cream and the toothpaste, uh, the shoes thing... The doorknob, like just slowly making him think that he's losing his shit, uh, and and that that attitude is a really good job of selling it. The the discon disconcern. The... the best is when he dials speed dials his mom, and it's <laughs> the mental warrior. Yeah, yeah. she changed the numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. So yeah, that's my number four. All nice. right. Um. My number four is kind of the reveal of the photo booth technician and why there's always these weird pictures of this guy always <laughs> t- torn up and everything. It's so. such a simple mystery. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I like I like that. Um, yeah, that's it. That's my number four. So Alex, so number three. Oh. Just to say a little bit more about that, how they're always going on about how when, when – uh, Amelie's also talking to the old man that paints. It's like, oh, maybe he's just like a, a spirit. Ooh, and he's haunting all these phone books and he's emotionless and stuff. They have all this, they created this whole backstory about this guy. And then the I got sucked into it, which I think most people that watch this movie got sucked into it. It's like, man, I'm really invested into well, who is this guy? It's like, oh, it's just some stupid technician that goes around <laughs> doing test pictures of himself. Of course. <laughs> Ah, so good. Yeah. It got me. Yeah. All right, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is just in general how Amelie just brings comeuppance to people. And I love not only when she gets the, the grocer, uh, but how they set it up when she was a little girl and she's taking pictures of everything and it's so adorable. And then she happens to snap a picture of that cloud that looks like a bunny and then there's a car accident. And that jerk neighbor told him, hey, this is your fault. You snapping pictures causes accidents. And then she's mortified, like, switching through the channels because she's been taking pictures all day. And she's flipping through all the news channels and there's tragedy after tragedy. (laughs) She's mortified. And then she finds out that he was lying to him. And oh boy, (laughs) does he get his comeuppance. That was awesome. Yeah, the the little girl is is perfect with that. That smirk on her face as she's screwing with the antenna. Mm-hmm. And that little, this oh, those perfectly like really dark, angry eyebrows that she has. 
It's so cute. It's so malevolent. <laughs> yep. <laughs> ah, awesome. Come up and. All right, Scott. Okay, my number three, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Number three. This goes back to Alex and Lisa of color. Uh, is the way they they made Paris very intimate. Uh, it seems like a, like a small place. <laughs> the the way that they shoot the movie. Um, at one point, they go to Sacré-Cœur, the the point where she goes up and or Nino has to run up and then use the telescope. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. that place is usually packed, so <laughs> uh, it's a big tourist attraction. Um, but they yeah they with the the color palette and like the, the kind of uh, like small town feel that they they've given the middle of Paris. Um, I really really liked it. It really suited the movie well. Um, like Alex said, I, I thought the colors were interesting. Uh, like there'd, there'd be, the auto would be muted, but there would be like the vivid greens and reds. Um, yeah. and just the, a lot of long shots too, um, which I'm always a sucker for. Like when she's skipping the stones, um, a bunch of cool shots like that. Uh, when she's going through the, uh, the train station, first time she sees Nino and then you see the, the heart pumping. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, but yeah, it was another long shot. So he had shot very well. Um, make, gives the movie a very intimate feel. That's my number three. I got a little right. side side question for you, Jeff. You did you uh, you saw it on Netflix, right? Um, yeah, one of the streaming services. I think it was Netflix. Okay, because on the DVD, there's a mistake in that shot where she's at the park and Nino's going through the whole like scavenger hunt type of thing. Mm-hmm. She's on the phone, and she's supposed to say, you know, check on page 50. On the DVD, the translation on the text, it says page and then ST for saint. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Until, you know, years later, it's like, oh, okay, she meant page 50. I don't Did you notice remember. anything like that? No, okay. no, I don't remember. I just thought that was very weird and uh, translation error on the DVD. It probably said 50 things. It didn't stand out to me. Okay. I guess the word 50 and saint kind of sound the same, and somebody just wasn't paying enough attention to typing out the blah blahs. Just a bug. (laughs) Oh, well. That always always stands out to me. Anyways. All right. Uh, My number three is uh, her playing pranks on the grocer. Grocer. So, Alex, number two. My number two is, yeah, all the fourth wall breakages in the theater when she like whispers to the audience and then she looks back at the other audience watching the movie that was brilliant that's one of my favorite ones All but right. yeah breaking the fourth wall I'm a sucker for that stuff <laughs> Scott number two alright uh, my number two is the garden gnome uh, and that... I fucking knew it <laughs> I <laughs> I, 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 I knew it. I fell in love with this movie. Made me fall in love with garden gnomes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I love that whole idea of the traveling around and the, the the look on the dad's face every time he gets one of these postcards <laughs> from He's the like, traveling. I don't gnome. understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, that that whole idea. I, I don't know if this movie originated it, uh, but the idea is is brilliant to me, uh, and I, I really dug it. It was. Uh, had me laughing, and it was very fun the first time I saw it. So, yeah, The Garden Gnome is my number two. 
And it became Travelocity's bread and butter. Yeah. Hope they. Yeah. So that. Sure, yeah, this movie. Yeah, it was the first time I've ever seen it. it was in this movie, and then Travelocity came up with that. And it's like, okay, somebody's a fan of Amelie. I get it. Yeah, so when that popped up, I'm like, oh, this is where Scott got the got this shit from. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then I looked it up, and then it didn't originate, but this made it popular. Is what I found on Wikipedia was that ah, okay. the garden gnome traveling garden gnome thing was a thing in Europe. I forgot where, and it was, but not a huge thing. This the movie made it mainstream, I guess, or as mainstream as it could be from a French film. Alright, uh, my number two is uh, the beginning of the movie when the narrator is talking about why she is the way she is and how the dad was a doctor and whenever, you know, she always got like high, her, her heart rate started racing when her dad talked to her because it was so rare, so therefore the dad thought she had a heart condition. Yeah. And and then her mom gets killed by the, the dude that jumped out of the window, what was it? Out of the Notre Dame? Uh, some church, it might have been Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I don't yeah, remember. I think it was Notre Dame. But I just kind of like that beginning. That kind of starts the whole thing. I really like just how the dad miss <laughs> miss uh, treating her daughter. Just not treating, misdiagnosing. I guess her daughter. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty funny. So that that was a good way for me to start off the movie. I enjoyed it a lot. So there it is. My number two. So Alex, numero uno. My number one is just Amelie herself as a character awesome they they made her character uh have so much depth and interesting enough to base this whole movie ar- around and audrey toto pu- pulls it off um yeah you can't help but fall in love with her She's i agree the, cat, the cat's pajamas the bee's knees my number one as well and my number one uh yeah she's <laughs> like the first of uh my my general crush on French girls is <laughs> because of Audrey Detto seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's just... She she almost gets to that line where it's a little too precious. She never quite steps over it. Um, she's, like, really dorky. She's got the weird haircut and the, the dorky shoes. Um, the, all the... the little mannerisms... Uh, it's yeah, like Alex says, it's hard not to fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I, I said it all. She used, uh, I, I, yeah. Without her, I don't know what the movie would be. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I, I mean, not, not only the actress, but like the the char- the way the character's written, everything about the character and the way it was performed. Yeah, so so it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jean Pierre Jeunot. Um, we talked about the. The weird guy in the cafe. Um, so Junot has uh, a... Uh, I don't know if habit's the right word, but he he's known for casting weird-looking actors. Um, example, he did this other movie called The City of Lost Children that had Ron Perlman in it. Uh, so he had a kind of reputation for, for not, re- not having what we typically think of as attractive, you know, top-billed actors. So... It, it was kind of weird when he got Adi Tato to do this, <laughs> and he, he got asked about it. Um, and I think he, I think his thinking was like what you're talking about, Jeff, where it just wouldn't work, like if she wasn't adorable. <laughs> so she is that. 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, my first—I don't know if I said it here—but my first introduction to her is from Da Vinci Code. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I think that was like her first and last like big Hollywood movie. Yep. She got one look at Tom Hanks's hair and was like, "Nope, peaced out." <laughs> Going back to Francais. I mean, she also found out she was related to Jesus, so you're pretty much done at that point. Yeah. It's all downhill. Well, spoiler there. alert. Oh. Um. <laughs> um, yeah alright so those are all the number one so let's rank it Alex go ahead I'm going to give this movie a number six I can watch it any time of day whenever great movie heartfelt and it makes me laugh okay just, just missing some just over the top just gory violence other than that though. <laughs> I can tell you the the cover of the poster it looks like there should be more violence in this movie she's frightening <laughs> Scott uh, I also give it a six you know, as, as we all agreed with our number ones uh, Aji Tattoo is hard to look away from in this movie so it, it, it's it's an easy watch it's very breezy so I give it a six yeah all right, and I will give it a five. Uh, oh man, my pre-ranking! <laughs> I usually type out your guys' rankings <laughs> beforehand when I think you'll rank it. Man, three for three. <laughs> I, I pretty well. I'd hope you. I'd hope you get your too. own, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Sometimes I switch by the time we're that, done. We're done that's talking. True. <laughs> um, but I liked it more than I didn't. You know, it was more good than bad. I'm not a French film <laughs> lover, so it was. Some parts are a little slow. And not my style, but for the most part, I did like watching it. I may watch it again. It's not nothing I'll add to my collection or anything like that. But I enjoyed watching it, and uh, yeah, there it is. All right, so what's our crossover topic, Alex? In the movie, in Amelie, one of the big uh, things is that Nino loses one of his photo books since he's the one that collects like discarded photos from under the booth and everything, and he puts them in a big scrapbook. But then as he's, as he's going away on his uh, moped, on his motorbike, one of them falls off and Amelie finds it. So our list today is a top five lost things that people lost in movies. May or may not got back. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of these are really easy and the rest were pretty hard. So I yeah. had to do a little. Uh, <laughs> so I had to think, yeah, creative. I had to think a little bit more than usual about this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start us off, Alex. Uh, my number five is, like, this gag in the movie Hook goes all the way from the beginning of the movie to the end. It's like, it, it really ties the whole movie, brings it back around, where uh, one of the Lost Boys, I forget who it was, he's an old man now at the old folks' home, and he keeps just going around going, oh, I've lost my marbles. And it's like, well, you, you've certainly done that because he's not, you know, I think he's got dementia or Alzheimer's or something because he's so old and by the end of the movie uh robin williams spoiler alert turns out he's peter pan he brings back his little sack of marbles and he goes like oh you found my marbles and it has some pixie dust in it and he goes uh flying off to neverland this old geezer so yeah dude lost his marbles and he found him again i hate that movie <laughs> really <laughs> Yeah, 
Rufio, though, the coolest kid ever. Oh, God, so stupid. <laughs> but that's, a, that's a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> Jeff, uh, you are the pan. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Mr. Panine. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, my number five is from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Raphael Sai. Oh, oh, dude, that's my number two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I, so, as, as a child, um, it was very uh, titillating in, in anything that would use strong language that, that I was allowed to watch. Although, as we've said many times before, I didn't have very much supervision. Uh, but I didn't know any better. So, in something that I figured was for me, was for kids, to say a bad word was, you know, that was some next level shit there. <laughs> so, Raphael loses the, his sigh in a fight. And he yells, "Damn! I can get it back!" And then he gets it back later because April picks it up. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he lost it and gets upset about it and says, "Damn!" Uh, it was an indelible moment in my movie watching career. Mm-hmm. So that's my number five. Raphael loses his eye and then loses his Wait, shit. It, yeah. So this is from the the movie where they were in costumes. Yes. Yeah. This is the nineteen. 19... I have to look it up. Eighty like eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, eighty seven, eighty eight. Oh well. Is this the MC Hammer Turtles? Yes. Yeah. But that was the Ninja second movie. Rap. That was the secret of the no, news. No, that was Vanilla Ice, isn't it? Yeah, Vanilla Ice Ninja Rap. Yeah, that's right. It was Vanilla Ice. Ninja, Ninja Rap, Rap. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. T U R T L E Power. Yeah. He was confessing to Splinter. Yeah. I lost a side. I can get it back. Because ninjas are supposed to be stealthy and not leave a trace. Yeah. One, but this is like their first Fourier, Fourier into a superherodom, right? When they went out and they lost the Sai. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He had one job, not teenagers. losing any size, and then he lost a Sai. Wait, they're teenagers. You People forget just because they're turtles. They're teenagers. Yeah. He also has another job. He's the leader, Scott. He leads. <laughs> it's true. According, he according, remember the according to the song, <laughs> at the end, at the end of the movie, for some reason they made Raphael the leader. Yeah, idiots. Yeah. Wait, that was in the intro song for the cartoon. No. Leonardo. No, he does machines. No, that's Donatello. No, oh, that's you're Donatello. Right. God damn it! <laughs> and no, before you say it, it's not well, Michelangelo either. Because he's a party, he's a party dude. dude. Yes. <laughs> well, everybody knows. No, it's Mike. funny. At, at the end of the dude. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, they've got the, the rap song, and the, the guy breaks down all the characters, and he says Raphael's the leader. Oh. It's not true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's why I got confused. But you're right. Leonardo leads, Donatello does machines. Raphael loses size, and Michelangelo is a party dude. Give me a yeah, break. That's how it went. <laughs> all right. Give me a break. My number five was about a poor radar operator who's trying to track a plane. <laughs> wow. Really reaching here, but I like it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then they, they decide to go below the cloud cover, and he loses them, sir. Yeah, I guess a plane is a thing that you can lose. <laughs> I told them. you it's rough. So there it is. The fatal flaw. Go Paxton. The fatal flaw of all Commando. radar. <laughs> Yeah, you wonder, you, fly you wonder how radar is not completely useless if you can just fly under it all the time. Yeah. So there it is, number five. Lost him, sir. Uh, Alex, number four. My number four is when George Costanza loses his keys. 
I think it, what was it? He was he was hopping over a puddle, and he drops his keys, and some kids call him a Mary, <laughs> and the uh, uh, city workers pave over it, so he has to pretend he's a construction worker to try and get his keys out, and hilarity ensues. And his his keychain had a there was a keychain was a Phil Rizzuto, and every time someone yeah. drove over the pothole, it said, "Holy cow." <laughs> That's and right. then the hot, and then the hot girl from Sex in the City, the young one, Kim Cattrall, gets no, uh, no, the young one, <laughs> uh, not Gracie Law, Charlotte, I think was her name, isn't it? Charlotte. I've only watched the show like once or twice, but she's the yeah, toothbrush, right. and that's the toothbrush in the toilet bowl episode. Oh, uh, okay. Because remember, she, she Jerry won't date her anymore, and he finally gets goes back to her, and then the toilet blows up in her face because George hits a plumbing. Pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Scott, number four. All right. Uh, so my number four is the old Porkchop Express. Oh, yeah. Uh, Damn. Big Triple Little nice. China. This is the uh, sort of the MacGuffin, if you will, that gets, <laughs> gets Jack Burton involved. Uh and really, it's who Jack Burton, <laughs> me, uh, me. It's yeah. It's kind of what gets him involved is that he loses his truck. Um, in a way, it's it's kind of his excuse because um, he kind of needs a reason to to do it rather than just trying to be helpful. Because he's trying to maintain that he's whole too, facade. Eh. Yeah, that whole <laughs> macho. Eh, too macho. Yeah, even though he's completely useless for ninety percent of the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Porkchop Express, and then it is cool that it, it it's not only you know what gets him involved, but they actually use it at the end to escape. So it's not completely like a full-on MacGuffin. It actually gets used, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called the Porkchop Express. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, awesome. Yeah. That's good. I didn't, I didn't think of That's that. What it's Damn, it's basically shit. his horse if you think of it as a western. Yeah. All right, my, <laughs> my number four this is another I don't know I shouldn't even I won't do this one. Alright, my number four <laughs> is from Medicine Man where Sean Connery loses the cure for cancer. <laughs> he just gets he says, I had the cure for cancer and I lost and he it. Says, I yes. found the cure for the cancer of the twenty first century and I lost it. That's, That's the one. Uh, Yep. Reaching, but I reaching, but I'll allow it. Yeah, <laughs> Same. Wait, he he loses it. He does. It he does? lost. Did, no, Jeff, he doesn't. He didn't lose it. He lost it. He lost <laughs> it. He lost it. That's more. Than and that's the biggest possible thing you can pos- you can lose. Oh, man, I, would you be upset now he, if it was yeah. real and you found out someone did find the cure for cancer twenty what years ago? Would it turn out to be like be... like spider venom or something like that? No, it's the ants. Yeah, bugs. Yeah. I only saw so, the movie so, once, yeah, and I remember it was a stupid ant. Ants or spider something. But... I, I watched it at Mr. Pepper's World History class. <laughs> Man, I can't... You were, you were hanging with Mr. Pepper? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't believe I... I haven't said that. I used to say that quote all the time. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> That's right, you did. I lost it. I found the cure for the cancer of 21st century, and I lost it. I had my lawn gnome around here, and I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> um, it's been forever since I've seen the movie too, but 
the girl in that, that's the one from Sopranos and Goodfellas, right? Or no? Maybe? It's either her or Laura Dern. It's not Laura Dern. I think I, I think, think I think you're right, Jeff. Okay. Dern. It's Because uh, she had like a New York accent too, I remember that. Yeah, it's uh um, Lorraine Bracco. You had the cure yeah. for cancer? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much what it was. And you lost it? What happened? <laughs> All right, Alex, number three. My number three is another Lost Keys, but this one, it's from Clerks. Ah, there's a jerk customer, and Dante just... And he forgets his keys on the counter... And as he leaves the store, Dante just picks up the keys, lost your keys, and throws them in the trash can. <laughs> and then there's a callback. You see the guy later on at the outside of the quick stop going, Hey, have you guys seen some keys anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always love that. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Good old Dante. He wasn't even supposed to be there. Yeah, he wasn't. Scott, number three. All right, so number three is the diamond from Snatch. The the giant diamond uh, that, that precipitates basically the whole plot. Yeah. Um, it sets everything in motion, uh, only to be swallowed by a a British bulldog, um, and then <laughs> it gets spoilers. It gets pooped out at the end. And everybody lives happily ever after, except for all the people that got killed or arrested, which is basically yeah. 90% of the characters. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, uh, the the diamond from Snatch. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, my number three, and it's because it's so ridiculous, is from Lord of the Rings, when the Ents lost the Entwives. Okay. <laughs> they forgot where they planted him, uh, and they don't even know what they look like. So the first thing he, one of the after he he's not doesn't think they're orcs anymore. He asks them if they're the entwives or if they've seen the entwives because they've lost. <laughs> he asked them if they were the entwives. That'd be kind of fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there it is. The ints from Lord of the Rings. The lost the entwives. Such a ridiculous <laughs> little sub story of that yeah. book slash movie. What? What ha- Scott, you read the Similarian. What happened with the Antwives? Yeah, I think they only get brought up during the uh, Two Towers. Not enough fertilizer. <laughs> Something like that. They run off right. like Chippendale dancers. <laughs> Alex, number two. Uh, Raphael, Ninja Turtle, okay. lost a sigh. Also, just to go back here, maybe, maybe the ants are like the uh, the frogs from Jurassic Park. Maybe oh, some of, and they lost it. Maybe but, some of the ants themselves were ant wives. It's just over time they all became like the <laughs> Oh, that's right, I have a vagina. Yeah. They don't I forgot. Well they didn't forget <laughs> it, they would actually would have changed, but that's <laughs> just something to think about. Food for thought. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Alright, there it is. Sometimes things happen drastically. Whoa. <laughs> there it is. Life finds a way, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, Scott. Okay, uh, we're on to number twos. Uh, The gold watch from Pulp Fiction. (laughs) That Butch has to go get back. uh, So this doesn't necessarily set things in motion, but 
uh, it, it definitely is the impetus for the <laughs> for the last part of that particular act. Uh, and then what the gold watch signifies, the whole up his ass uh, side story from Colonel Kuntz. Kuntz. Uh, it's so. This movie has a couple of MacGuffins. The the most famous one being, of course, the suitcase. But there's really no getting that one. Like, there's no nobody's trying to get that one back per se. Um, it happens right away in the beginning of the movie. Uh, but yeah, the gold watch that Butch has to go get back is my number two. Very good. Nice. I was about to say he hasn't lost. It was up his ass the whole time. But then I forgot. Yeah, later on he does lose the watch. Up his ass. <laughs> uh, my number two is the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. So, while it's not lost in the movie, but then they tell the backstory about how it was lost, and that's why it has, they haven't been able to find it, and now they're searching and for it's, it. It's in so. the title of the movie. I'll allow it. What? All oh, right. Lost Ark? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> You're almost offended. What? <laughs> oh, Lost Ark, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Ark of the Covenant. Uh, could probably have just as easily done the Holy Grail as well, but uh, I like first booty movie better. Is that, is that picture over there, the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> What's that, Ark of the Covenant? You sure? Pretty sure. Pretty sure. All right. All right, Scott, or Alex, number one. My number one is also an Indiana Jones movie, but this is The Last Crusade, where Indy... Is fighting on top of the tank, and then it goes off the cliff, and then his hat, whoa, he loses it. It blows off his head, and everybody thinks he's dead. <laughs> he manages to hang onto the cliff. He climbs up without anybody, so he's just looking on at the explosion that ha- that's happening with everybody else. He's going, he's just nodding his head, just as if he's saying, yeah, that was fucking rough. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say the, uh, go ahead. Well, then, like, at the end of the, when, is the, when Sean Connery's done uh, hugging him, he's like, come on, let's get going. And he drops to his knees, and then his hat just, whoop, the wind just brings it back to him. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I could have sworn you were going to say, when we started talking about Last Crusade, the, the journal, the diary, but <laughs> took that in a completely different oh, direction. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Eh, he didn't really lose it. It got stolen. And it got mailed to him. Stolen. No, in the middle of the movie. He has to go to Germany, Nazi Germany, to get it back. Because it was stolen. Right. Right? Yeah, what's this whole... They got mailed to him in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyways, that's my number one. These that. Number one. This could go on forever. Uh, my number one, uh, so... Yeah, hard time leaving Indiana Jones off this list because I did think about both things that you guys said, plus the diary. Uh, but I went with Milton Stapler. Oh, That nice. basically wraps up yeah. uh, Office Space, that ties up the whole plot. <laughs> My Brent Stapler. Well, that, wasn't st- that was stolen, too. Yeah, I, th- I didn't know that it had to be lost and not necessarily stolen. Right? I was lost. It but it was it was lost in the in the uh, in the fire. He lost it until it was found. Yeah. 
my stapler. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. That's good. Excuse me. Thank you, my stapler. <laughs> Huge grains of salt. <laughs> All right. My number one, back to Lord of the Rings, the One Ring. Lost yep. twice. I thought about that one. Uh, Hard. In the Lord of the Rings. problem is, the, the, I, I couldn't get myself to bring that one up because they have it for <laughs> for the movie. They don't have to get it back. No, but Isildur lost it. Yeah, no, it's it definitely... Fell off his head. Like, depending on your point of view, yeah, it's definitely lost. A certain point of view? Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely lost for a long time <laughs> until an unlikeliest of heroes found it, find it. Yeah. And then in The Hobbit, you can say Gollum lost it, and when Bilbo found it. In both cases, right? So, mm-hmm. there it is. The One Ring... Lost twice, found twice, destroyed once. Frodo lives. The end. Okay. <laughs> the movie would have been a lot shorter if I would have wrote it. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know who else lives? Quite a. Ooh. He does. A uh, couple of uh, honorable mentions here. Um, just to go all the way back to Amelie. Um, I forgot to mention this, but the, the love interest in Amelie, the give me the cash guy, uh, Matthew Kasowitz. Yeah. Is the from uh, from uh, Fifth yes, Element? He, give me he's the giving cash. cash guy at the beginning. <laughs> the same guy. That's that's a nice hat. You like it? Give me the cash. <laughs> Wait, the give me the cash guy is who went on? The love interest, Nino. Oh, Nino. Wow, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> give me the it's cash. Good. It's a very very nice. And hat. then uh, I'll mention <laughs> for like for lost items, the rug from the Big Lebowski. Oh, they really tied uh, together. Yeah. All right. Uh, any listener feedback? I know it's kind of weird with our schedule now. Yes. William Grinwood pulls through, and he's got his oh. top five lists of lost items. All right. His number four. His number five. Not number four. Number five. I don't know. He says, I don't know if this this one counts. McDonald's Chicken McNuggets Szechuan Dipping Sauce from Rick and Morty. <laughs> Dude, I haven't gotten that far yet. That's, I, get, I need to catch up on Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, I, oh, that, that one's good. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah? Okay. <laughs> Ooh, number four, The Chalk of Fate from Daywatch. Okay. That, that's one I have to watch. I've seen Nightwatch. I have to watch Daywatch. Oh, uh, the next Baywatch. I've seen Nightwatch. Yeah. Fighter of the Daywatch. <laughs> ah! No, I, I did see Nightwatch but... in theaters, actually. I never did see Daywatch. Ah. Uh, number three, the Necronomicon from Army of Darkness. Okay. Yeah, it was lost for thousands of years. You uh, should never have the, the Holy Grail. <laughs> the Holy Grail from Monty Python or Indiana Jones. Okay. Yeah. And uh, number one, the One True Ring from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. He says, uh, honorable mention, Stanley Spadowski's mob from UHF. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, man. I, Son I of wish a I had bitch. that on my list. William, oh, how is that only an honorable mention? Perfect. I know. Oh my gosh. Scratch that. That's my number one. <laughs> Re- revising my list. That's my number my one. Mop. <laughs> my mop. Awesome. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Thanks, right. William. Thanks. We can always William. count on you. Welcome yeah, back. It's been a while. All right. Yeah. Uh, Alex, no sports? I'm Alex, and I like sports. Sports ball? I guess. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Loria, he's fired. 
Okay. From? Yeah, he's he's no from the Florida Marlins. Okay. I guess he was a really bad boss, and he, he finally, you know what? Get out of here. You're fired. You're making some bad calls. No more. Um. I'll allow it. <laughs> so, so Jeffrey Loria is the one, the majority, or like he's the face of the ownership group, anyways, for the for the Marlins. Um, he's the one that's bilked the the city of Miami out of hundreds of millions of dollars for that stadium, because of course they got the the, the city or the county or whatever to pay for it. Uh, but yeah, they're selling the team, um, and most likely Derek Jeter will buy it, of all people. The Jeets. The Jeets. DJ. Old DJ, as they call him in New York. Yeah? He's from Florida, right? I have no idea. Or is that A-Rod? But I just know Jeter's part of like another one of those big ownership groups, and he's like the face of it. So they his group might very well wind up with the Marlins. All right. $1.2 billion? Let me call my accountant. Maybe I can get in on this. Yeah. <laughs> that seems cheap. What did Balmer buy the Clippers for? I think Balmer fucked things up for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy if you think about like so. When when did so the the Angels? Ida Moreno bought it for a couple hundred million. Dan Marino, the guy that sells isotoner gloves. No, he could like if he wanted to, he could flip same. it. He could flip the team for make. A shitload of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, sports over the last twenty years have yeah, well, over like the last uh, ten. It's it's like spiked yeah. last fifteen, yeah. Maybe but even then, what I'm saying, even ten years before that, what did Disney yeah. buy him for? For like forty yeah. million? Well, it's crazy to think about what uh, George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees for. Like, I don't, I don't even think it was a hundred million yeah. at the time. Yup. All right. All right, it's time for Neom News. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. Okay, so uh, light news this time around, but I did want to talk about one thing that was pointed out to me by listener Carl. Uh, <laughs> a, a guy on Reddit um, whose moniker goes uh, Lundgren's front kick. <laughs> 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 he, he, he's done a, a nice. few things of a similar vein where he just picked out weird facts from movies and kind of broke it down. Um, this case, though, it was the the premise of uh, uh, movies that feature Jean-Claude Van Damme doing three-plus three plus splits have a higher average <laughs> than movies where he's doing two or less. <laughs> Wait, a higher average of what? Like rating, like critical rating. Oh, okay. So, so he actually broke it down. Like, he went through, I don't know if he counted it himself, but he, like, counted all the, the times he does the splits um, in release movies, in theatrical releases anyways. Um, right. And his premise actually holds up. So, uh, in the, uh, when, he, when he does three plus or more splits, um, we have an average rating of uh, 56.25. Uh, so not fresh if you're going by Rotten Tomatoes. Right. But um, in in order of rating, it goes Kickboxer, Hard Target, Sudden Death, mm-hmm. Time Cop, and Bloodsport. Uh, 
I think we can all agree that Bloodsport and Kickboxer are uh, JCVD's finest films. Yeah. Predator. <laughs> Almost Predator, yeah. <laughs> Almost Predator. Um, Tom Poe yeah. is a villain, I mean, Kickboxer. That or when he played Ivan the the Russian <laughs> in... What, what was the name of it, Alex? No, no retreat, no surrender. <laughs> no surrender, which might be the greatest movie of all time. I don't know. I'll have to watch that. <laughs> Put it on my yeah. list. Uh, so, um, there's that. Uh, the sky, if anybody's interested in checking out, again, it's Lundgren's Front Kick. And it's on Reddit. Uh, it's just in R movies. Um, but he, he also does some other funny things. Like, uh, um, he breaks down Kurt Russell with facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> and without um, and uh, movies with pencils used as weapons uh, Dark Knight yep I'm sure it's on there uh, so yeah just uh, some fun stuff there uh, the Kurt Russell one alright <clears throat> Big Trouble yep. Miracle But then death, the thing. Death proof. I think no. I think no beard's better. But the thing is beard, and that almost makes up for all of it. Yeah, I know. So, so <laughs> beard, beard mustache Russell is sitting at tombstone. S- according, I don't, I don't know what's aggregated is here, but it's at seventy-eight point eight percent. I don't think he has a straight, just like clean-shaven uh, version broken down here or break down here um alright anyways well, people eh, can check it yes. out themselves yeah uh so that's that's basically all I wanted to talk about this week uh Jeff did you have anything you wanted to add here yeah the only thing I wanted to add which by the time you guys hear this is going to be old news but it sounds like Disney has got their own streaming service and they're pulling all their stuff from Netflix which was weird because it seemed Ooh. like they just added. They did a big deal last year, but mm-hmm. so now it's cool that like Moana and Rogue One are all on there, but they're going to go away. So yeah. my feeling is, if they make it similar in price to Netflix, and you can go and watch like the, their entire catalog of stuff, that would be rad. Like if, I, if it's like HBO, where like everything they've ever done is available for you to do. That would be a service, especially if, I'm assuming if you have kids, be able to pull up Dumbo, Pinocchio, yeah. Moana, Toy Story, anything. I mean, even even, even if it has all the Marvel it. stuff, that's a step in the right direction. But yeah, yeah, I wasn't even yeah Star Wars, Marvel, yeah, Star stuff Wars, too. Yeah, like, yeah. that would be rad. Yeah. But then there's some Netflix originals that are Marvel. I mean, what what the hell's gonna happen with those? That's a yeah, good question. That's a question. So yeah. if Defenders goes over there. I don't know. That, that would suck if they. Yeah, season one of Jessica Jones on Netflix. Season two. Because I, I wonder how much of that, how much of that is Netflix, and how much of that is just whatever production company they use. So it might not matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but minus that whole thing, it would be it, I probably would pay for the service if it was their entire you know back catalog of Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, and all the Disney Pixar stuff. I think that would be worthwhile. Conversely, another fucking streaming service. The the I market's know. getting so damn saturated. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> dude. Well, no. 
I heard someone predict this years ago. Like basically, what's yeah. going to happen is that the streaming service is going to turn into cable service, where eventually someone's going to package all these together, <laughs> uh, and you're yeah. going to pay a flat fee to get all of these, but you're going to get services that you don't want, just like with cable. <laughs> it's going to end up being the exact same thing. Again. Yeah. So much for cutting the cord. Yeah, and then commercials are going to find their their way into these things. I don't know. But. Well, they're already on Hulu. Well, I mean, CBS is already kind of leading the way for the for the big networks here. They're going to have their streaming service launch. I hope that. Fails. I hope it fucking fails too. I mean, and I hope if Star Trek is good, that it will find another taker. Um, if that's the case, yeah, exactly. but I, yeah, I don't want Star Trek to fail, but I want the service to fail. Like so. what? I mean, what the fuck is going to be on there that I'm going to want to spend money on? Like. I mean, maybe we're not the target audience here. Maybe, like, people that like CSI or, <laughs> or NCIS. Or... They don't have the internet. Hmm? They don't have the internet. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's weird because, yeah, they're kind of missing the, the mark here. You're right, Jeff. I didn't think about it that way. Uh, but they think it's going to be the millennials who want to watch Star Trek and uh, there's not the, like than... Star Trek anymore. Football, maybe. I'm sure they do. Occasional sports thing, like what? I don't watch anything on CBS. Like, what are they hoping I'm going to spend? Like, I'm I'm just going to pick up the service just for, for Star Trek. I don't know. Yeah, it would be sports. Like you said, football. Yeah, but like they're still going to run that on the normal. Like they'd be insane to to pull it off there. Oh yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I. But you could watch it on your phone. Maybe right. Yeah, I don't. I don't like know. That, I guess. But... Anyway, uh, yep. anyways, well, that's all the news. That's all the news. Right. I got. Alex, do you have anything you wanted to talk about? Any tidbits? Nope. Juicy or otherwise? No tidbits. None. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Do I want the clap again? No, sir.